Hi, welcome. This is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood from the very beginning, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here today with Dr. Tyler Sasser to help you face these challenges head on. Tyler, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So here's who Tyler is as I'm just getting to know him. And I'm oh, so thankful he's here because we're talking about some of the hardest and yet most important parts of raising kids, which is conflict, things that are a little um, challenging, and really the art of how do we get to be the parents that we want to be with children who come out exactly who they are, which is not always who we want them to be. Um, Dr. Sasser is a PhD in psychology, and he's in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the university. He starts as a full acting assistant professor in the fall, and he's right now a psychology postdoctoral fellow in what's called the Pearl Clinic, which is a program to enhance attention, regulation, and learning, and works at Seattle Children's. And when I talked to him about you know, what he's good at and, and what he does well. And I think that the great gift of his department putting him forward, even as a fellow to come and join us on the podcast, it's that I think both he's a parent and he's practical, but he has kind of what sounds to me a really great capture on the nuance of saying, knowing when to listen to a parent who's really struggling and, and be an active listener, and then when to intervene and say, almost strategically, here are the things you need to do so that you enjoy this more, so your kid thrives more. So I think we're in great hands. Thank you for being here. I'm excited. Let's go. So, okay, we're going to talk about the kind of unsavory stuff that we all worry about. But really, I think most of us at times believe our children provide us difficult behavior. <laughs> and I think there are some kids that are harder to parent than others. And we've talked about that on previous podcasts in kind of the realm of ADHD and things. And Tyler's been working since he was an undergrad, even at a summer camp um, with with kids who have significant challenges with ADHD. And, mm -hmm. and you've been looking at this for years and years and years and now yeah. in practice. Tell us at the top, you know, what is it? Why why do kids why do kids why do kids misbehave? Like why don't they just do what we want them to? Yeah. No, I think it's a great question and it's really important um, to be thinking about um, when we're having problems at home with our children. You know, what is the what is the underlying issue? On? Yeah, what's going on right now? Because it really guides what we do yeah. um, with our kids. Um, so, you know, in terms of my background and expertise, clearly, you know, some children um, have uh, different, you know, uh, brains. Uh, neurodevelopmental uh, conditions like ADHD or even autism can um, really drive, you know, rigid, non-compliant, disruptive behaviors. It's just how they're wired. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh -huh. And it's almost like as a parent, if you feel even without that diagnosis in a child, your kid might be hardwired you know, particularly those of us who are, are lucky enough to have more than one kid, you'll realize they pop out and you're like, whoa, this is a totally different kid. Right. They're right? remarkably different. Yeah, right. absolutely. And so some kids are kind of hardwired to be non-compliant, right? Yeah. To, to be non-conforming, right. right? To push limits and to really test a parent's skills mm -hmm. and own self-regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what makes it so challenging. But I mean, beyond neurodevelopmental conditions, there are also just temperamental differences in how children... Um, uh, react to frustration, um, how they react to changes in their routines, um, you know, how they react to maybe separating from their parents. Mm -hmm. um, and those things, those things can all, they're very different things, but 
they can all yield, you know, um, really challenging behavior. Yeah, and really stressful moments. I mean, Absolutely. I, you, you, you tip my attention yeah. there on, you know, children are very different how they separate from their parents. Yeah. Every parent who has taken a child to daycare mm-hmm. or maybe multiple kids to daycare know how different a day can be, a time of their life can be, or a child bet- between, like my, one kid, I, I drop him off at preschool, he was like, you know, skipping in the door and blowing me kisses goodbye every single day of his ch- his preschool yeah. experience. And mm-hmm. then I had another one who we had to create an entire system, mm-hmm. right, that was consistent and day-to-day and set up with expectations and quick and surgical, and right? So yeah. that if you're out there thinking, my kid is harder, you just might be right, right? That, oh, yeah. And, and the separation might be really hard. Or, yep. um, you know, the um, learning to follow rules may be really hard. Learning yeah. to transition or stressful events like starting school may be really hard. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that kind of leads into the next thing, that, that some kids, they just, they haven't developed a skill yet that's maybe required of them. So going to school and, you know, doing a complex routine or being asked by a teacher to do something that's, that's hard for them, um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe they haven't developed the necessary skill, whether it's self-regulatory or even an academic skill that provides like a lot their of colors or numbers. Yeah, or something. yeah. And then yeah. the teacher's sitting there, you know, pushing or asking them to do it, and they experience a lot of frustration from that. You could get a child acting out in those situations, and so uh-huh. it's really important to know. But I mean, regardless, you know, all children present with challenges, um, and uh, and I think that. Um, uh, that that is a normal part of parenting. Um, so, and I, I yeah, must, just doesn't, yeah. let me just interrupt though. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it, right? Right. Like, you know, I'm so sorry, people, that you might have to hear about this again, but like our swimming lessons, for example. Yeah. Like my kid had these major tantrums on the pool deck, wouldn't get in the pool. We'd, you know, do all this energy, get to the pool, and then yeah. I'd waste the whole thing because he wouldn't even get in. And it doesn't feel normal. Like, you right. do start to doubt yourself. You do start to doubt the safety of your kid. You mm-hmm. do even wonder, are they, are they, are they a normally develop, developing child when they do these things that to the world can kind of look outlandish, like huge temper tantrums, yeah. huge conflict at separation to preschool, mm-hmm. um, you know, huge and outlandish um, conflict around, you know, eating or sitting in the shopping cart or whatever it is, right, right. in these younger kids. And, and this happens in older school age kids with yeah. disobedience. This mm-hmm. happens in, and everyone knows, in the school environment and at home. And then it happens, of course, in the teenagers with defiance and, and their yeah. regulation of kind of getting their own autonomy. Yeah. But I, I have to say that I think what, I, what I'd love to learn from you too is how do we harness the feeling that feel like can breed such self-doubt and almost mm-hmm. self-loathing as a parent of like, I am doing this wrong. Um, and understand, you know, what are the principles that you understand of guiding people in behavioral parenting? Like, what, yeah. what is what is behavioral parenting? What does that mean? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. But I just let me say real quick, your swimming example actually, you know, hits really close to home. Uh, literally, <laughs> my son, um, uh, he, you know, when every morning when he wakes up, he says, "What what day is it today?" And he's asking, "Is it a preschool day or is it a swimming day?" Because he uh-huh. re- goes every other day to preschool, and. Um, if it's a swimming day, immediately he will start crying right there on the spot in our house, and we yeah. haven't even gotten oh, there, yeah. and we haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, so, so there's yeah, some fear I mean, there, right? Which yeah. is normal. Yeah. He's supposed mm-hmm. to have that fear. He just makes it really inconvenient for you right. who wants to get him swimming lessons. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like we're we're constantly dealing, you know, at our house with um, how do we provide support? You know, is sending him to swimming lessons the right, the right yeah. thing? And certainly we think it is, this is good for him. This is a, this is an appropriate challenge at, at this like developmental stage that he's at. We want to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have, you know, my wife and I, we will have these, it requires a lot of work. Like we have to sit, I'm, I'm a child psychologist and I'm sitting there like racking my brain. Okay. Okay. 
okay, what's going on here? Why is he doing this? What should we do? And yeah, um, most of us are not. We right, don't have right. a PhD. I know, in psychology. and that, and yeah. I, I know, we're and stuck I, without your brain. Right, yeah. and I, and I, um, you know, and and so when I'm with my wife, you know, a lot of it is like, okay, trying to like walk through, okay, what happened first? Okay, what happened next? Okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's try this. A lot of it is experimentation. Yeah, um, and that's okay, right? It's a hundred percent okay, if and we're I consistent think consistent with what we do. Yeah, it, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Will you give an example? Yeah. What what are some experiments that you've done then in a place where you know your kid is suffering? Right, wakes up and the yeah. first thing he does is figure out is he have to jump in the pool? Yeah. You know, what what experiments have you tried where you reach conflict, you kind of feel like academically it's age appropriate, but there's something in your gut that's like, gosh, this feels wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, with him, um, in, in that situation, some, something that we've done, and this is a broader thing that I, that I was hoping to talk about in general was just how to incentivize, um, the development of skills that aren't quite there yet. And I'm not talking about swimming. I'm not talking about like developing his freestyle stroke or anything like that. I'm talking about for him, self-regulation and facing his fears yeah and so we've done some things at our house um we've put some things in place in in how we coach him and then also how we reinforce him for trying things that he's really scared of Uh and so um you know we have this system it's an incentive system that's broader it covers a lot of different things at our house um you know my wife and i I had a little meeting and we decided, okay, here are some things that we would like him to do better at, you know, staying in his bedroom in the morning. So he mm-hmm. wasn't coming into our yeah. room at 5 a.m., yeah. oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a behavior problem per se, but it's disrupting our kind of family functioning more broadly if my wife and I don't get a lot of sleep, yep. right? We need to be of sound mind and healthy and it'd be nice if he could play independently in the mornings, right? Sure would, I'm so, sure. Yes. <laughs> so we decided that was something we wanted to target. But one way that he can also earn their coins that he can earn are um, uh, he can earn coins for being brave, um, actually. Mm -hmm. And so we coach him about what it means to be brave. We've coached him on how to use um, breathing, deep, like not deep breathing necessarily, but to take a deep breath when Mm -hmm. he's upset or excited. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll you know, remind him leading into situations that he can get a coin (laughs) Uh for being brave in a situation. And um, then he, at the end of the day or during the day, can trade in his coins for privileges Uh at home. And um, one of the things that he, uh, so that's like 10 minutes on PBS Kids. Uh Um, It's um, the thing that he loves the most, honestly, is playtime with me. And it's not the privilege of playtime with me. And it's it's not that I'm withholding playtime. Like we spend tons (laughs) of positive time together. But if he can earn... 10 minutes or 20 minutes of Lego play with daddy, that motivates him so much. And a lot of these things um, really are dependent on trying to find out what incentivizes my kiddo and in order to help them overcome behavioral challenges, emotional challenges, and just skill knowledge and, and, and behavior kind of difficulties yeah, that's a real that's a real critical piece. This, yeah, but I'm I mean, kind of so, jumping ahead. Yeah, no, no. Well, no, no. I like so. So, in talking about kind of behavioral parenting, you're saying when you when you find a conflict of anything, so any opposition, any frustration, any stagger, it's almost redirecting it and saying, 
okay, <laughs> what's motivating to this child? So mm-hmm. when they're young, you create sticker charts and you create reward systems and you incentivize yeah. the yeah. good stuff instead of just focusing on the bad stuff. It's that kind of that that overarching pediatric advice, which is like, don't just say no all the time. Catch your kids when they're doing good, right? right. Give them equal <laughs> amount of praise yeah. for good behavior, yeah. not just calling them out on the bad behavior, right? Because you feel yeah. crappy when you're the parent that's nagging and complaining all the time. I mean, this is true at any age of parenting, not just young kids. I mean, and it brings up, you know, going back to your original question about what is behavior parent training, it, it really hits on this point that you're making right now. Um, and this comes from work, I just want to acknowledge, you know, the, the, you know, these folks who have done so much research in this, in the area of, of effective parenting strategies. So that's people like Carolyn Webster Stratton, who did the Incredible Years program. She's out of the University of Washington. Um, Russell Barkley, uh, who wrote The Defiant Child. Um, Bob McMahon and Rex Forehand, who wrote The Non-Compliant Child. Um, these are people who have done so much work and others in this area to identify that you know the behavioral strategies are the most effective for um, helping kids develop self-regulation skills. Um, but the, the principle, the thing at the heart of all of them is the positive reinforcement principle. And that the fundamental idea there is, um, is that what behaviors you want to see more of from your child, the healthy, okay behaviors that you want to see more of, pay attention to those. Anytime your child behaves appropriately, pay attention to it. Yeah. And, like and, look up from your phone. Put yeah, your phone down. Yeah. Walk over across the room. Enjoy them while they're doing it. 100%. Right? For yep. your own sake, insanity, yeah. but also yeah. so that they see how happy you are and they are in those moments of that behavior, right? And there are so many traps that we can get into as parents. You just mentioned one, right, is that we're busy. We have so many other things to pay attention to. Sometimes when our children are misbehaving a lot, we also find when they're behaving well, okay, I'm just going to I'm just gonna. Yeah, you leave I'm just. Be. Yeah, I'm gonna leave them be. Yeah. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Instead of praising that, but just the the like you don't want to you don't want to fix what's not broken, right? So right, sometimes we right. just like don't don't. Yeah. If I say something, he might reroute himself into a bad place yeah. again. And some really non-compliant kids, when you acknowledge good things, will actually react negatively to it, mm. and that does scare parents away from doing it. They'll say that I don't I don't even say anything because of that. Yeah, that's a non-compliant behavior. And you can address it other ways, but we should always, you know, go out of our way to praise all the good things that we like from our kids. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of all this. The, the inverse of that is that um, a lot of times we pay attention to the problems and only the problems. Uh-huh. So for kids with ADHD, the ratio of, and, and other behavioral disorders, I mean, the, you'll see these numbers vary, but I know that Karen Webster Stratton in her, um, in her studies, you know, she says that the ratio of of um, negative comments about problem behaviors, like reprimanding a kid, yeah. nagging them, lecturing them, yelling at them, yeah. is eight to one. Yeah, yuck. To positive. Yeah, for and, a kid with a challenge like ADHD or something. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's. I think that that can. I think even a smaller reshed, but I. But I think that most yeah. parents are probably reprimanding more than they're praising. Yeah. So. So changing that ratio is really important. Yeah, and what what we find is just that um, that flipping that ratio is really kind of a fundamental thing. And that if we're paying attention, if we're interacting with our children in a negative way, that that inadvertently serves to increase the problem behaviors. So if I- It's, it's like negative reinforcement, right? That, 100%. Yeah. If you pay, whatever you pay attention to is what your child is going to do more. Yeah. So if you're paying attention to the negative, you're arguing with them, mm-hmm. lecturing them, it, that, that is going to happen more. Yeah. And I think, so the, the complex, the thing that immediately like makes me, you know, take a deep breath and, and interrupt you almost mm-hmm. is that it's hard. You don't. 
it's like this kind of zero tolerance for some things too, right? You, yeah. you don't want to let some, it's like, I agree with you, you, and all that I've understood and is thinking out of like paying less attention to things that are going bad, paying more attention to things that are good, good to kind of cultivate the good, the growth. It's like fertilizing all the good stuff yeah. and like not letting this, putting, putting the yucky plants in the shade, right? And not mm. letting them grow. And at the same time though, we feel obligated, right? As parents to keep reminding kids, this is the right stuff. This is the wrong stuff. This is the right stuff. This is the wrong stuff. This is at yeah. any age, right? Yeah. And um, so it's, it's almost like, I guess what I take from what you just said is, oh, okay, let me be efficient with negative reinforcement. So let me go in and say, you know, that is absolutely not, it's like, um, we've, we've been through a couple of puppies recently and the first puppy we had a lot of problems with. And, and just before she, she left our home, um, I saw my son like throw a beach ball at her. It didn't mm-hmm. hurt the dog, but I, I, I was like, that is absolutely not okay. Yeah, you know? I, I, and, would, and, I would probably do the same know, thing. But, but yeah. I got out really quickly. And then mm-hmm. it was like, here's the great interaction that you're having, right? So right. you can teach me. I, I probably didn't do it right, actually. I take it all that back. That sounds but, familiar but, to my life. Yeah. So. But, but I think the good advice here is you want to you wanna tip the balance, that you want to be igniting and cultivating and growing the stuff you love in your kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they are going to want that too. But you still have to be, you still have to be the, the villain of discipline at some point. But maybe yeah. we just do that more quickly. The, the the reprimands are going to be ineffective um, if they are constant. And yeah. so the this ratio of flipping things to become much more positive, and I really want to, you know, one of the fundamental, you know, strategies that I really recommend, and, I, and this happens at my, our house too, um, when 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 we I'm having these meetings with my wife, they sound like meetings, like we're in the boardroom or something, but we're really not. It's like, I know, I was it's, really like, like it's at the kitchen counter. Meetings. No, it's at the kitchen yeah, counter, and yeah. she's saying, like, this is what happened today, and it was really frustrating. Uh-huh. And in those moments, I the the thing that I always come back to, and I wish I came back to it quickly, and I wish I stayed on top of this, was am I playing with him enough? Am I playing with my kids enough? Am I having a good time with them? Mm-hmm. Is is behaving appropriately actually rewarding for them? Are they getting something out yeah. of like living in our home? <laughs> is there something wor- worthwhile? So I think switching that ratio so that you're playing with your child, you're attending to the good things that they're doing, um, makes those infrequent reprimands much more effective uh-huh. because it's going to be worthwhile to listen to that one thing and then my parents are going to move back on and where there's going to be something worthwhile to, yeah, to, I, to behave appropriately for. Yeah, I love I love thinking about it like, it's like, do I want to live in this house? You know, it's like, right. if I can reframe up like, gosh, things aren't going well. Like the last couple of months have kind of sucked. You know, it's just like, and then you look back and you think like, I've been really stressed. I've been really anxious. All this has been going on. I've been traveling a lot. Yeah. And you can go through this litany and you're just like, wait, would I want to live here? No. So what are, mm-hmm. you know, what are we doing? Well, that's, that's not true. But I just mean, if you're in a really tough spot as mm-hmm. a parent, what I hear from you is, can you refocus on like building and growing it to be what what it would be a thriving environment for a kid at least for five minutes a day as a yeah. start, right? And it can really be that brief. I mean, we're talking about you know, put your phone down, um, uh, turn off the TV, um, and and ask your child. I have five, ten, fifteen minutes right now. What do you want to play? Yeah. And maybe it'll be Legos, maybe it'll be Barbies, maybe it'll be, I don't, like, it, it could be anything uh-huh. that you're, you know, maybe I uh-huh. want to play ball in the backyard. Uh-huh. And and do that with your child and pay attention to them during that time. It's a time to be free of reprimands and to really just think of it as a positive play period with your child, paying attention to them, um, praising them, talking with them, um, but not telling them what to do or how to do it during that period of time it's really about them and uh-huh. and 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 having a good time together uh-huh. it's like it's like a it's like a sunny day in the midst yeah. of maybe a thunderstorm yeah. right absolutely the, um so 
let's talk a little bit about, so in some of the tips that Dr. Sasser had shared with me, you know, included something that he calls kind of strategic and planned ignoring. So it kind of gets back to, again, what do we do so that we're cultivating this happy place and these sunny day type feelings and we're rewarding, but we have this troubling kid who's maybe a little bit defiant or impatient or mean or, you know, something about one of our child's phases in life or their temperament is, is a challenge. What is strategic and planned ignoring? Yeah, this is actually probably my favorite strategy to teach parents. Yeah. Um, I think some parents naturally do this well. Uh, some people think they do it well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a nightmare. That's probably me or something, right? That I, well, I think I do and, a good job and, and I don't. And really what strategic parenting, sorry, strategic ignoring is, um, I'm trying to think of an example um, at my house. So my, my you know, I, I, here's, a, here's a small example, but it does affect the tone of, of our household. So in the morning when my, when I'm getting my kids breakfast or something like that, my son will finish drinking his milk. And um, he will demand more milk in like a really rude, sometimes nasty tone totally. of voice, like oh, I know more this. milk, please. <laughs> like a total jerk. Like, what like is that? Like that jerky New Yorker. Of course yeah. I'm not going to get that milk. <laughs> yeah. Like I am not your server. I mean, I can't tell you how many different times in my life I've been like, wait, who am I? Wait, right. How am I here to help right. you? Right. Yeah. And some parents can absolutely use humor for that kind of a thing. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, effectively. Not effectively. Yeah. Um, the... Um, this, what strategic ignoring is is informing your child like when you use a negative tone, when you it. whine, when you argue, when you complain about things, I'm not. Gonna I'm respond. not gonna. I'm not gonna respond. I I will totally respond to you the moment that you're using an appropriate tone of voice. You're being kind. You're being respectful. I will engage with you, and I will get you that milk immediately. Absolutely. Okay. And where parents sometimes think they do this and then don't is that they start ignoring. And their child is so persistent and goes uh, on and on and, and on and doesn't that, so. let it go. Yeah. Um, but eventually, they the parent Gives gets up. Well, yeah. they give in they or they get it. upset. Yeah. They say, you know what? I've heard it too many times, and they yell at their kid or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and that is the that's actually positive reinforcement. Although you know we use these, the, I think sometimes we misunderstand that term positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement is just it's paying attention to something so that it increases. And, um, and so even if you, even if you yell at your child, that can inadvertently increase the problem. And so what we really want parents to do, um, in those situations, as you say, that makes me think it's almost like, um, it's like flooding electricity into it. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you're giving it to it, it's just like it amps the volume. You can imagine like the the bar just escalates it. It Yeah. It absolutely escalates it. So I I always think too, one of the strategies I've learned, mm -hmm. I think from a psychologist at some point, um, was that, you know, it's like if the volume is increasing in a conversation because people are so engaged and energetic and I am such a passionate person, I can get so passionate about things. uh, I realize with my kids, if something's getting like really emotional, I just start talking more quietly yeah. mm-hmm. and slowly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, right, everything kind of comes down to it, right? right. So we can modify those yeah. storms yeah. that brew, right, yeah. by even thinking on tempo or volume, right? right? Or like right. for me, because I'm such a stinking fast talker, like I'll just slow, because and when I'm amped about something, I start mm-hmm. speaking really quickly. And my kids yeah. have even told me that. So kind of, you know, just gauging, like bringing things down, even when you right. don't, even when you feel the major thunderstorm inside your yeah. heart, you can still kind of pretend that the clear, the clouds are clearing. Yeah. Right? Well, and that's really what the ignoring strategy is. Um, it, you know, the idea that it takes two to tango, yeah. right? Um, this is the idea that 
I'm going to withdraw. And so how could this escalate if I'm not actively involved in it? If I'm not escalating in the situation, it can't escalate. Now, that's not true for very difficult kids and for young children, right? Yep. They can continue to escalate to yep. things like aggression, destruction of property, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the ignoring strategy isn't necessarily for that stuff. Table that for now and just be thinking about the verbal whining, complaining. That is what strategic ignoring is excellent for. And if you're going to do it, do it all the way to the end. Yep. And um, the consistency all the way through it. Yep. All yeah. the yeah. way. You got to finish you break it, yeah. all that you've yeah. built if you all yeah. of a sudden kind of give into it and engage in yeah. it when it wasn't a real ignoring. And the and the and the and the really critical last piece to the ignoring strategy is that the second that your child uses their inappropriate voice. Um, re-engage with them and praise them for it yeah. and let them know, yeah. wow, that's a really nice tone of voice. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Thank you for talking nicely to me. Yeah. Um, then you really jump on that and and you're now you're positively reinforcing the appropriate behavior. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, before we wrap up, talk a little bit about logical consequences for misbehavior. Will you just yeah. give, you know, I think parents have heard this a lot. So the idea is yeah. don't make a punishment or even a praise of some behavior that's kind of outlandish in mm. either direction, right? That right. doesn't kind of match the quote unquote crime. Yeah. What are some examples of logical consequences? So the typical one I think of is kind of like, I mean, I cannot tell you how much I've tried to encourage my children to take coats to school, right? Mm -hmm. And they refuse to do it. And then they come home at the end of the day and they were really cold during recess. Yeah. And, and at the end, right, that's the logical consequence. It's like, mm -hmm. I've reminded you 25 times to bring a coat. You didn't bring a coat. The logical consequence was you were cold and now I don't have to remind them. Yeah. Or it's like, I remember one of my friends was talking about her, uh, a, a parenting expert who said, stop reminding your kids to put their shoes on. Like they're going to remember to put their, like stop that, which I had to do because I have told, I mean, I can't tell you how often I'm like, can you put your shoes on? Like we right. gotta go, right? Yeah. And so, what what other? Because and without their shoes, it would be problematic, right? So the right. logical consequence comes. What are right. other examples of logical consequences? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And and this is really, you know, if you're working your way up this, you know, maybe hierarchy of strategies to be thinking about when problems are arising. You know, you might start with playing with your child, really positive interactions, then moving up and saying like, okay. Um, are there ways to incentivize appropriate behavior with incentive systems, that kind of thing? Then are there things I should just ignore um, that are happening and maybe that would be useful? And then the next step is a logical consequence some, for some kind of, usually we're talking about like misbehavior here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a, some examples of logical consequences that I, that I think come naturally to some parents is the idea that, for instance, um, if your homework's not done, you can't watch TV right. or something after school. And so it's it's connecting, um, uh, you know, what behavior you want to see, yeah, uh -huh. the okay behavior, to some kind of consequence that is in their environment, um, and uh, so that's I think uh, a good example. I usually, you know, really encourage parents to have some go-to logical consequences that they know are motivating for their child, like the one I just said, right? That, um, you know. I can give an example actually at our house. So what I was saying before about um, uh, about staying in your room uh, mm -hmm. until so we have one of those light lights, lights yeah. that turns green at at um, a certain time. I won't tell everyone when because um, it's, it's pretty. Early. It, no, it's pretty late. Oh, actually. it's pretty late. Oh, yeah, good. Lucky it's kid. Late, actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lucky kid, lucky parents. He gets well, all the time alone, <laughs> and you get to sleep in. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what what turn what helped turn the corner was that um, uh, pairing that expectation with a logical consequence which was um you know when when the light turns off you can come out and when you wait until the light turns off 
or turns on, I guess, I don't know which way to say that, <laughs> when it turns on um, in your room, then you can have some screen time in the morning. You can watch PBS Kids, you can watch Curious yeah, George. Yeah. Um, and a, if you and if you come privilege. out, so and if there you, was a new privilege developed out yeah, of it, right? and if you come out early, then you do not get screen time in the yeah, morning. Yeah, and um, that was highly motivating. And we've yeah. we've actually we've actually extended that. So now he has to clean up his rooms room if he's made a mess before he comes out of his room even. Mm -hmm. And so we add, you know, and he can't appropriate privileges over time, appropriate responsibilities yeah, to yeah. get the same Absolute, kind of because yep. the privilege is still mm -hmm. valuable. Right. It is still valuable to him. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's an example of a logical kind of consequence. Um, you know, there are certainly others. I think we live in this modern time and I, uh, where, you know, iPad, uh, screens, um, I wish that, uh, I wish that we could, uh, discourage them altogether. I don't think that's a reality. I think that in as much as possible, we should limit screen, kids' screen time and the content of their screen time, right? I mean, every parent is probably cringing, yeah, when I say this out loud. No, and no, I, no, you're not oh, cringing oh, at all. Oh. I mean, I, as a pediatrician, so I have sat on, I, I've been part of those who have been writing the, writing the policy for yeah. the Academy of Pediatrics on screen. And I'm familiar with what that yeah, is. Yeah. yeah no, so and, we, you know, we know, we don't have any data that screens are any good for kids under two. Right. We, we have a little bit of, right, that they are there after. That being said, to your point, we're not going to get rid of them, right? We know three, you know, like three quarters of kids at age four have access to their own tablet type right. environment. So yeah. it's just a part of it. Now, and, and to the point too, I, one thing I want to say uh -huh. that I've learned from previous podcasts that, um, you know, with experts from your department that, you know, a reminder too, that if you have a, a child who has a really challenging behavior um, or you're having a really hard time and, and there may be a child who's kind of wired differently, yeah. that screen may be more motivating to them than a child who doesn't have that challenge. Right. We know kids with ADHD and challenges, right? Screen time might be more motivating to them, kind of a bigger button of, of kind of dopamine surge or happiness comes from it than yeah. a kid who is more typical in attention. So, right. so it even makes the stakes higher and right. more difficult because it's, yeah. it's almost bigger, right? So well, I think and, we can use it to our advantage. Well, and that's exactly it. So here's the thing is I, um, I really think that for kids with ADHD, other neurodevelopmental conditions, too much TV is bad for a lot of reasons. I think it's probably bad neurologically, but I also think that behaviorally, like you're saying, it can be hard to disengage these kids from the screen. You know, you yeah. can get tantrums around yeah. that. And I think a lot of parents yeah. have that we happen. That. <laughs> it's really, I think, a matter of saying, okay, you know, what is a healthy, I don't know if there is a healthy amount, but let's say, let's mm -hmm. let's follow the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines, right? It's for school-age kids, fewer, less than two hours a day, I think is the recommendations. And then- It's not less than one, or less one than, or less. But okay, it's, so it's, one it's or less. Real, that's not, that's, you know, And that's, not, and that's fine too, and that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. And, and that content though, I think also saying educational content, um, slow-paced content, yeah. you know, uh, violence-free content. But I think linking that saying like, okay, first of all, let's reduce it. But any screen time that my kid does get can be a logical consequence or it can be an incentive for my child that, that um, you know, in order to help them incrementally develop self-regulation skills, new skills, this is going to be kind of the carrot that we're going to have there for them to behave more appropriately. And if they misbehave, a logical consequence might be like, okay, this is what happened. Okay, then there won't be any screen time or yeah, something related right. it's in that area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, so here we are. I think this, these tips, Dr. Sasser, are relevant to all of us. And just to highlight, I think, what you've shared today is the, the reality that kids misbehave for all sorts of reasons, for 
neurodevelopmental challenges, diagnoses, and disorders, because they're kind of wired with a different temperament, um, they maybe don't, you know, to your point of like starting school and not having an academic skill or not knowing what's expected of them, not knowing right from wrong, doing wrong, and then getting that constant criticism. That, that might be mm -hmm. why they misbehave. The reality that data shows, particularly in kids with challenges that you shared with us, they may hear eight negative feedback comments to the one positive and endorsing. And a, a kid in that environment may even feel worse about themselves and misbehave more and more. Mm -hmm. And then kids may be kind of wired to test limits and misbehave, and that is this normal behavior. And Dr. Sasser really talked to us about kind of behavioral parenting, thinking about giving positive reinforcement, paying attention and creating a happy, sunny place for your kid to live in your home on a day-to-day -day basis. And then thinking about and reminding that kids, you know, think in the short term that intervene right away and move on. They're not looking at the long-term picture. They're going to be distracted into another concept that when your child misbehaves, remind yourself to make sure you're playing with them in a positive way every day at every age. This is not just about young mm -hmm. kids, but yeah. taking even five minutes in the car, at home, in the backyard, to your point, mm -hmm. um, making sure that you are providing regular positive reinforcement. When they do something right, turn to them and look them straight in the eyes and say, thanks, that's exactly how I love when you behave. You make me feel so great when you treat me that way. Um, that strategic planned ignoring can be really helpful to guiding your child to the behaviors you want. And that making sure you have logical consequences for misbehavior that might be access to privileges or just the natural outcome of mm -hmm. them not doing something in a way that you think would make them more comfortable. And then lastly, really thinking, teaching kids to learn how to calm down on their own. And even sometimes saying, you know, this is not the appropriate place for us to talk about this. We're going to need a little bit of a timeout. Yeah. Thank you for that guidance. All of our kids can be really uh, difficult. And I think your wisdom and your examples in your own home and in your work um, can help us out. Anything else that I didn't say that you want the world to know? No, I think you uh, wrapped it up really well. Yeah. Well, Dr. Sasser is not only a... Um, a, a parent and a psychologist. He's also an active podcast listener. So um, thank you so much for being willing to join the world in in, uh, in noise. Really exciting <laughs> for me. Uh, parenting is a high stakes job. And the good news is thanks to people like Dr. Sasser and these tips and wisdoms, you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at seattlemamadoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 